Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Strike, and I'm Ken Rideau, joined by the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good, Ken. How are you? Um, Good. Thanks. How's the artwork? How's the artwork going? How's the? Um, it's going. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Starting to get uh, some recognition now. Just talking uh, at Christie's next auction. I tell you, it's nice. You got hearts. You got <laughs> all kinds. Softens of me up a little bit. Well, no, you you you're all hot. You're all hot. <laughs> I'm trying. It just, it just reminds us that you are. That, um, <laughs> yeah, I like I, I like the way you keep. What what do we have? Because the fans sometimes they they can't get a hold of me, but they sometimes I hear that they call in the foundation, and um, and they ask what Ken's next. Uh, you know, they 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 want to know if there's a tip out there. What his next art might be that he yeah. displays. Oh, I've got I've actually got a good one for them. Uh, the fine art of the great uh, graffiti artist Eric Hayes. He's slowly transitioning into fine art. Had his first show at the um, his first fine art show at the Brooklyn uh, uh, Beyond the Streets show. He's the, of course, the husband of the great Rosie Perez, Oscar-nominated actress. And uh, Eric actually designed a limited edition logo for us that we'll be uh, releasing to the fans sometime in this coming year. And I think people really. I like set it. you up nice for that one, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, not planned, guys. No, it wasn't planned. It was natural. <laughs> yeah. But if it's something's right, it it comes out. Yes. Uh, and it came out. So, uh, that's good. Yeah, he's Rosie. Of course, is I call her the queen, or I don't know if I call her or somebody named her the queen of boxing, or you know the um, the lady of boxing. Maybe that's even nicer. First the lady. lady of boxing. Yeah, she's the best. Teddy, before we jump into th into things, uh, I want to remind everyone that we have our Dr. Atlas Foundation episode coming out this Thursday. Very excited to share this one. Given the COVID, obviously, we can't have an in-person dinner that Teddy normally hosts on Staten Island the Thursday before Thanksgiving every year. So instead, we're doing a virtual dinner. We've interviewed and we're going to interview a number of high-profile guests, including the real deal of Andrew Holyfield, superstar NFL, uh, Super Bowl MVP Phil Simms, double champ UFC fighter Daniel Cormier, um, MMA journalist extraordinaire Ariel Hawani, the legendary college hoops announcer Dickie V, and of course the toughest actor in Hollywood, Tony Danza. Um, secondly, today's episode is sponsored by... You left out one, did you leave out D.C.? No, Daniel Cormier, double champ of the UFC. We oh, got I'm him. Sorry. Can't yeah, wait can't for everyone to sit. That's a can't great conversation. He'll put, he'll put you in the guillotine. Oh, for sure. And if he doesn't get it, then Dustin Poirier definitely will get a guillotine. Uh, secondly, today's episode is sponsored by Whoop. Check these guys out at whoop.com. Use the promo code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S, for 15% off. Now pay attention, fellas, guys, girls. I love this thing. It tracks everything from he resting heart rate, heart rate var variability, your daily strain, how well you're sleeping. Uh, it gives you a recovery score. It's, an, it's a very valuable tool. And as a special thank you to the listeners, we're going to cover the purchase price of one out of every five people who buy a Whoop this week using the code ATLAS, A-T-L-A-S. Just send your receipt to the fight at Hit Hard Media, H-I-T-H-A-R-D-M-E-D-I-A, -E the fight at hithardmedia.com, and we'll enter you into the into the contest. Also, for those who send it in, we're going to send you the code to join our The Fight with Teddy Atlas Whoop team, and you can compare yourself against uh, 
myself, Rob, and Teddy and see how you hold up on the daily strain score. If you can beat us all, maybe we'll throw in another prize for you as well. I think when you see the scores, you'll be quite um, surprised. Teddy, let's get into things. We've got Let a ton of stuff to cover. Let me say one thing off of yes. this. Just thank you for mentioning the dinner, uh, virtual dinner that we're going to have, you know, Thursday the 19th, 7 o'clock. And um, the people know how to get on that, right? Because obviously, I I don't know what the heck. I, I'd, I'd wind up sending them to the cooking channel. Let's I mean, <laughs> be honest. I, I really, truly am... Uh, what is that called? Social media, computer illiterate, um, uh, internet illiterate. I You're am the king of boxing Twitter. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, I do know how to Twitter. Well, I give it to Rob. I write it all <laughs> up. I give it to Rob. I said, "Go get him, Rob. Go get him." You know. And but uh, they the info will be up there, right? Ken, how people yep. are going to get on it? And yep. I just want to say, Ken's right. We usually have a thousand people. Uh, to the dinner, sometimes 50 celebrities, 60 celebrities. We did the virtual one. Obviously, we we have six celebrities all telling great stories. I mean, really, Tony Dancer was a fighter before he was an actor, uh, good puncher. He tells some great stories. Evander Holyfield, of course, uh, talks about how he became the real deal, had a, everything to do with his mom, a good mom, a tough mom. Uh, Phil Sims talks about his relationship with Lawrence Taylor and and with Bill Parcells and just you know how and how proud he is of his sons playing in the NFL. That Ken talked about that, asked him about that. Uh, they're just great guys. Hawani is the face of UFC with his show. DC is a legend. Uh, Daniel Cormier is a legend out there in the UFC, maybe the greatest light heavyweight of all time. And his his role to get there, uh, well, you just have to listen to it, really. If anyone gets down a little bit and says, gee, I can't make it, just listen to his story, how he made it, and what he went through, and what he overcame. Uh, the, the guy is an inspiration, I think, to everybody when you hear his story. And then you got the awesome one, awesome baby, Diggy V, awesome baby. Uh, you know, Diggy V, not only the great announcer, he was a coach, great announcer, legendary, iconic, but what a charitable man. I mean, he anything he's done in the broadcasting business has been, has been really over... He, he has more then succumbed, surpassed what he's done professionally by what he's done as far as charity work. I mean, he really has. He's raised millions of dollars for cancer research in the name of his friend, Jimmy V, for the Jimmy V Foundation. Millions of dollars. I mean, this man is more than a guy who just screams, awesome, baby. I mean, a lot more. So... Anyway, just if you guys could be part of it, there's no charge. If you want to make a donation, it's up to you guys. But you you watch the show, you learn about the foundation, the work that we've done for 24 years, where basically we just help people that fall through the cracks. We've been doing it 24 years. Handicap ramp, bang, get it up for an invalid child living with a single mom. There's no insurance or the insurance doesn't take care of it. Or 
uh, they need to fly out of state for a treatment program that's not existing in their area. Bang, get them on a plane. We fly them out. We take care of it. And then the smallest, simplest things, a single mom living with four or five kids and she's struggling, trying to make ends meet. It happens. It happens. And, and all of a sudden, her electric's being shut off. No, we step in, no electric being shut off. No, no way. And we step in, we pay the bill. And what, whatever, the food pantry that we're running for senior citizens uh, during this terrible COVID situation where they can't get out. So, again, I would just ask you, I appreciate you, I appreciate the hell out of you being part of this show, and I would appreciate if, I know you fight fans, that means you have hearts. That means that you, you care about heart, that stuff. And I just asked you to be part of it. That's it. Go ahead, Ken. This uh, The episode will be posting just like a podcast episode. It'll be premiering at 7 p.m. Eastern time this Thursday on YouTube. Just like all of our stuff, you'll be able to find it if you subscribe to the show on YouTube and podcast networks. You'll see it coming up this Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern on um, on YouTube. Um, all right, we got a lot of stuff to cover, Teddy, and a bunch of episodes. Good content coming up. We've got a Roy Jones, Mike Tyson fight plan we're putting up. We've got um, the the uh, foundation episode. So we're going to try to like burn through a bunch of stuff here, but never sacrificing quality for timeliness. Let's jump into it. Two weeks ago, or a week ago Saturday, we had Devin Haney in action against Yuriakis Gamboa. Yuriakis Gamboa, obviously a former superstar Olympian from Cuba, um, probably on the wrong side of, um, of the uh, career at this point. Devin Haney beat him over 12 rounds, got the decision. I think Devin Haney was probably hoping to stop him, given that um, Tank Davis stomped him in the last round um, when he fought him recently. Um, Obviously, a lot of controversy with Devin Haney having an email WBC lightweight title, given that um, Tiafimo Lopez just won the legitimate WBC lightweight title. I think we can all agree. Um, it's an awkward position for Haney to be in because I'm sure he wasn't campaigning to have the belt sent to him, but nevertheless, that's what happened. What are your thoughts on that one, Teddy? Haney, Haney did what he had to do. He won every round, but... He's not a scintillating, exciting fighter. After seeing Davis, he was probably hurt because after Davis had done what he did against Cruz, right? Uh, oh, yeah. You know, and that they're different guys, obviously. Uh, you know, Davis is a, is a power puncher. So he scores a sensational knockout with a smaller man, but he gets that knockout against Cruz. And, and then you go... And you leave the ballpark, right, Ken? You leave yep. the ballpark, you just watch home runs go over the field. Bang, bang, bang. You watch murderers roll, hitting home runs all over. And now you go and watch Sandy Koufax paint the corners. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, That's you a go, good analogy. Yeah. I mean, you go and watch a, a, a great pitcher, and Haney's a great pitcher. You go and watch him hit the corners and take the bat out of the hands of, of, of the hitter. And and um and an older hitter. Let's be honest. This guy is thirty eight years old. Gamboa. Uh, he's a little used up. You know, he's he's far removed from the world champion was, and a smaller guy who had moved up from featherweight, but still a game guy, a name they put in there. Um, and Haney's style is his style. He's a pitcher, baby. You know, he's not a home run hitter. You know, he can he throws nice, clean, concise punches. He's uh, accurate, uh, but he's a boxer. 
you know, he's got a high IQ, and he's a safety first guy. He's not putting nothing over the meat of the plate. He ain't doing that. If you want something over the meat of the plate so you can go, ha, ha, what? No, you're not getting that. He, he's, he's not that guy to take those kind of risks. That's his temperament. I used to always say when corner fights at ESPN ringside, always, I would say, you guys don't understand. You want him to do this. You say, oh, well, for this fight, he needs to do this. Yeah, okay. But his temperament has already been in there for 25 years, 24 years, whatever, 21 years, 20, whatever the age of the fighter is. That's his temperament. That's his makeup. That's his mentality. That's his personality. That's not changing. And the personality, the makeup, the temperament, you have to understand that of Haney is to be careful. Nothing wrong with it. It's got him a world title or whatever it is. But, you know, it's got him undefeated and one of the players. And it works. But he's not, you know, he's not going to be Jake LaMotta. You know, he's he's not going to be Tyson. He's not going to be that guy that some people obviously want that style. They want that instant gratification. No, this is a guy that he's going to knock out the lesser guys, but at the next level, it's going to be about outboxing the guys. Now, look, could you could you take a little shot at him and say maybe he should have stopped Gamboa? Uh, you know, I picked him to win easy. I thought he might stop Gamboa. I might have even said that. I don't remember. Uh, but... I knew he would dominate. It's not hard to know. I mean, uh, he was minus 2,000. <laughs> That's a little tip-off. little <laughs> tip-off. <laughs> you don't need Teddy Atlas to handicap that one for you. But I thought he might stop him. Uh, Gamboa had been dropped 11 times in 10 fights, uh, last 10 fights. Uh, you know, but Gamboa went 12 rounds with Tank Davis. The fight before got stopped in the 12th round. Gamboa... Sh- Showed a sturdier chin. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there. Listen, that's what we do. We put it out there. I would not do it to hurt someone. Irresponsible. But I'm only throwing this out there. Only. Because it's been mentioned. PEDs. Somebody mentioned it. He said, do you think Gamboa is on me? That he's stronger? He was able to take... I know it's... I know people are going to say, whoa! Wow! Teddy just said PEDs. Uh, Yeah. PEDs. Um, it's in it's in boxing, guys. I got news for you. Little secret. It's out there. It's out there. It's prevalent. It's out. Now I'm not saying I have any information. Gamboa was on it. I just well, a know few it was people a, a few people had tweeted out. I, I don't know if it's legitimate or not, but I saw the tweet from a few different people of uh, a protocol that was allegedly um, tied to Gamboa talking about exactly uh, what prescription he was on with HGH, testosterone, and a few other drugs. To be honest with you, from what little bit I know, it didn't really make sense for a boxer in terms of protocols, but, you know, hard to verify if it's legit. All I'm saying is we, we're looking for an explanation why a guy that didn't have a good chin suddenly <laughs> looked like he had a face. I'm not saying Haney's, a, you know, is Ernie Chavis. I'm not saying that. I already said he's not, but he's but he hit him a lot of clean shots, and Gamboa was getting dropped by lesser punches before. So uh, could, could it make him stronger physically, mentally, that he believes he could take a punch better? Possible. But again, I have... I just said it was out there. Once it was out there, I said, huh, I got to do the right thing on my show. I got to put tell all guys everything that's out there. I'm not trying to hurt nobody. And I wouldn't have said it if it wasn't out there. I thought it, 
the possibility, but I I would never say it if it wasn't said already. Listen, maybe it's more the reason because he didn't hit him two punches. He hit him one. He hit him a lot of clean shots, Haney, all night long. Clean right hands, clean left hooks, but never two. Always, and that's his temperament, be careful, but never two. It was always one shot at a time. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's why Gamboa was able to stay on his feet. Customato, uh, my mentor, would have went nuts if my fighter did that because he would have said, Teddy, if you can hit a guy with two, why hit him with one? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right, Cus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. So that's part of it. What I'm breaking the fight down for you. Uh, I'm giving you a quick analysis. Uh, I thought maybe, again, he won every round. He looked good. He looked like a sharpshooter, Haney. He looked like a good boxer. Yeah, but um, but maybe he looked like the Klitschko's when they dominated for those years too a little bit, where he's not exciting, where he's just efficient, controls range, controls distance, but not efficient. He doesn't even let the mailman get near you. <laughs> you got you to gotta get the mail. You know, I mean, you got you to gotta communicate out there, you know, with people a little bit. You got to get the mail. He was controlling range. That's his forte. That's his expertise. He's controlling range. He's sharp. He doesn't waste anything. The punches are accurate, quick. Um, maybe I, I was looking where maybe he could have stepped out a little more, where he could have created more traps where he could have got the older Gamboa to reach. Gamboa is prone to reaching because he used to be faster and he was like a Pacquiao where he'll reach and break rules to get in and get away with it because he knows he's fast enough and he's not that fast anymore or as fast or nearly as fast with his feet. So, But he still has some of those thoughts in his head that he could do it, some of those habits in his head that he could do it. So there were spots there where Gamboa wanted to... would jump in, reach a little bit. And I thought Haney could have exploited that, exposed that more, ran with that a little bit more, where he could have jabbed, stepped back, got Gamboa to to bite, to reach, and then get a real good counter opportunity, cleaner counter opportunities on him, um, and set up his offense that way, and maybe drop him that way by catching him coming in with clean shots. Shots, not one shot. I thought he could have done a little more of that, um, he was setting up his offense off his jab. He's got a terrific jab. Terrific jab. Really does. Long, really long. Straight, accurate, Haney. The final thing I'll say about the report card on him is he could have kept the music going. He let the music stop. What I mean by that was there were times when he was in position offensively in close proximity, I guess, to Gamboa, where he would catch him some shots, and instead of stepping back, he'd allow Gamboa to tie him up. And you knew Gamboa was going to tie him up because, you know, at this point in his career, he's going to try to he's going to try to slow the pace down. He's going to not compete with the younger guy as far as punch numbers go. He's going to try to make sure that he can get off and then, you know, he can hide from stuff 
on the inside where Haney would have the advantage or even on the outside if he could get in there and tie him up. In other words, stop the music. And it takes two to tangle. A guy can't tie you up if you don't let him. If you take a step back, if you shove off with your, with your shoulder, if you rotate your shoulders back so he can't grab your hands. But there's ways to keep the music going. And the thing that I noticed was both of them had inactivity. Both of them had gone through surgery. So you got to put that out there too. So there could be a little bit of lack of, you know, feel. Full confidence coming off the surgery, the inactivity. They both were dealing with that. Gamboa with an Achilles injury and Haney with, with his, uh, what was his shoulder? Was his, uh, what was his injury? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So, look, maybe that was part of the hesitation in spots that I'm describing. But I thought Haney could have, taking a little step back and finish the show. Um, you know, we always talk about finishing, whether it's in basketball, football, baseball, life, uh, as, a, as a, you know, guy in a boardroom or as somebody, you know, in whatever facet of life, whatever vocation, you got to finish. You got to finish. You know, you get the ball on the inside in basketball, under the, you got to finish. You got to put it in the hoop. And I thought Haney could have done a much better job finishing by taking a little step back when Gamboa, and you knew he was going to look to tie up. He's not competing with the younger guy anymore in those kind of quarters. And he didn't. He didn't take that step back. And I thought sometimes purposely he allowed, yeah, a lot of people are going to say, what? I thought purposely he allowed, and he wouldn't like to hear it, but if he listens, it'll be helpful. We all can get better. He he allowed Gamboa to tie him up in some spots. He allowed him to fall in where he knew once he fell in that there would be an excuse not to work because, you know, he was smothering him. Then he could be tied up where he was making silent agreements that I talk about sometimes. We make them in life sometimes, guys, where you make a silent agreement not to do something you could do to kind of just get a pass, get a free ride, not to deal with something. I thought he allowed that to happen, where he allowed in spots Gamboa to fall in, grab him, so he didn't have to take the risk of punching, even though it would have had the edge and I think he might have stopped Gamboa, but mentally there was a little doubt. So he allowed him to tie him up. I thought those were the, I think that's a fair critique. I think it's a deeper critique than obviously you sometimes you're going to get. But um, I think it's right. I, I Again, some people will love him because they love pitches that hit the corners, that take the bat away from the hitter. Some people will say, hey, I didn't see enough, you know, in sizzle. I didn't see the ball going over the fence. Uh, there's always going to be those arguments. But the guy, the guy might outbox everybody. I mean, I know a lot of people say, oh, no, you know, I like Tank Davis and I like, you know, 
Teofimo, and I like this one. But Haney's a guy that he's got the skill sets and the temperament. If he could get that rhythm going, uh, he, he's a tough he's a tough guy to get to. Um, but you could look at the other guys and say they got more power, they're more aggressive, you know, stuff like that. Either way, there's a lot of interesting fights to be made out there. And again, Haney, you know, Haney, uh, how often can you say this? I know I'm going to sound like I'm, I'm kind of being, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm saying two things, and I guess I am. You could say that you give him a top record card for doing what he does, and then you could also take a shot at him and say, well, you should have stopped the guy 38 years old who'd been dropped 11 times, you know, and got stopped by Tank Davis even though it was in the 12th round. Tank Davis didn't look good that night. I don't know why, but he didn't look good. Maybe it was Gamboa. Maybe he was, maybe he was overconfident that night. Maybe he took Gamboa for, for granted. Maybe he had trouble making weight. I don't know what it was. I try to put it, all the possibilities. I know those are possibilities. Or maybe it was just he had trouble with Gamboa, period. But you could, you could actually say, yeah, I wasn't happy he didn't stop this guy. He's a minus 2,000 favorite. He should have stopped him. Or you could say, wow, that guy is a great boxer. Yeah, well, it's also a lot to be said for an old former champion showing up on one night. A lot of heart. Like, no, 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 no Nito Donaire did against the monster. No one expected that from Donaire. A lot of heart by Gamboa. You're 100% very, very right. So. Let's go to this week. Nevada State Athletic Commission steals the show at uh, Jason Maloney. Sorry, Joshua Frank over us. Andrew Maloney 2 rematch for the WBA Super Flyweight title. Um, this was crazy. I mean, from, from everything that I could see, it looked like, uh, Maloney hit him with a series of jabs, hit Franco with a series of jabs, closed his eye up. in I think the second round in between the second and third, they stopped the fight. Then the madness ensued 26 minute delay while they looked at the rematch. You could have watched those two rounds probably four or five times in a row in slow motion in less time than it took for them to call this and, 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 and in my opinion, incorrectly call it a headbutt. At one point, you had Bob Arum over there in Robert Bird's ear as he's reviewing the replay. And all I could think was, imagine the NFL at a Super Bowl reviewing a call to decide a game, and you've got Jerry Jones screaming at the replay official while he's reviewing the replay. Why is the promoter allowed to get in the Athletic Commission's kitchen during such a crucial decision? And the other storyline there is that um, Oscar De La Hoya doesn't show up to represent um, Franco at the fight, nor does he send anyone from Golden Boy, which seems to be protocol for them to just not show up unless it's um, Virgil Ortiz or Ryan Garcia. Used to be Canelo, but Canelo got sick of the, that treatment and um, went his separate ways. Nevertheless, lots to discuss there. Nothing but controversy. What are your thoughts, Teddy? Well, as far as... As far as Oscar, you know, Oscar's not having a good week or month or year. Yeah, Oscar's got some problems. He's having trouble running his business, you know. I don't know. He, um, you hate to be mean about it, I'm, but I mean, pointing things out that are there. You You're know, the promoter. Your guy, is the, your guy is the world champion. 
uh, Crawford had a hundred of his family members at the fight. You could have been there. Someone from Golden Boy could have been there. Bob Arum was there for his guy all, all over the place. It just seems irresponsible not to send someone from the promotion to represent your fighter when he's defending a world title, a legitimate well, it world title. doesn't seem that way. It is that way. You're 100% right. Look, he's talking about making a comeback. He's, talking, he's got issues. Big time. Right? I mean, we try to put things, you know, we don't walk on the fence over here. You know, like everybody, uh, half the people out there, uh, these announcers, they're all shills. <laughs> I hate to say it, not all of them, but a lot of them are shills. They're just, they see one thing and they say another thing because it's going to keep their job. It's going to keep their relationship, whatever. Um, Oscar, you know, I don't know. Sometimes, you know, it's called, there's a, help for that it's called medication i don't know i i maybe what maybe should <laughs> it's work it's work fathers you know um but he's definitely not giving you a uh he's not putting out a business 101 platform on no. how to you know how to be successful in business uh, you know, it's more like a self-sabotage lesson. Let me show you how to have a build a beautiful platform and then destroy it by sheer incompetence. Listen, as far as incompetence, okay, there it is. You you led me right into it. That's boxing. That's why. That's why we're losing fans. That's why the late great Bert Sugar, my friend, uh, great icon in the sport, with the cigar and the hat, uh, historian. He used to say, you know, boxing gave itself another black eye tonight. And that's what it did. The only problem is it has no more eyes to blacken. <laughs> I thought of Bert right away. It's, it's a joke. It's a joke. It's, it's ineptitude. It, it, I mean, like when you see these bad decisions, you see stuff like that. They'd spend a half an hour, break up, make... First of all, the football game went late. I mean... Who's running things over there? I think it would have been a good decision by whoever's in charge there of putting the fights on to say, you know what? We're not even going to go with the Maloney-Franco fight. It's late. We're going to go with the main event. Give the people what they want. Don't keep them up all night because we've heard the complaints before. We're going to show that we listen to them. So, But they didn't. They went with the cold feature. Even though it was late after the football game. Not only that, like, cut away. The score was like thirty to twenty, sixty to twenty-eight. Like no one cares, and if they do, then they're clearly they get like, better they've got ratings. bigger issues. I, I got news for you: college football gets better ratings, even when it's a blowout. Than than they, I, I get this from the source, from yeah. people that do this at ESPN. So that's that's the reason. I, I agree with you. I would say for that, it's a blowout. Cut away. But that's what they're going. That's what they're being driven by. That's what they're being dictated by. But if you don't cut away, start with the main event because you're already late. The other thing is you spend a half a freaking hour. <laughs> I'm crying. I'm not laughing. Uh, and then... It was only two rounds. And then you get it wrong. <laughs> I mean, and then Bird. I mean... Bird, listen, Bird was involved in a fiasco. Rob can get it up there for us. But he was involved in a fiasco um, with doing a fight. It was it was Bradis versus Glowacki, uh, right? Yes. Uh, and Last year. I mean, it was, it was terrible. 
It was terrible. He was the ref. I mean, let, let people see for themselves. You know, and you know what I'm talking about, so I don't spend too much time on it. I mean, he he had a he, he was all discombobulated. I don't know. You get older. Sometimes things get away from you. Sometimes you're not that person anymore. He's been a terrific ref. Uh, you know, his wife Adelaide Bird. She was there working the undercard. She didn't get involved in controversy, but she's been involved in so much. Bad decisions, controversial. The the main one, the kingpin of all, was that she had the first Canelo Triple G fight scored like one eighteen, one ten, something like that, um, <laughs> for for Canelo. I mean, come on, Triple G won the fight. They, they made it clearly. A they they did their business. They boxing did its corruption, and you know, let the guy that that you know, the, let the golden goose not get cooked. Yeah, <laughs> let him live because he's the gone goose because he lays golden eggs. So they did that thing, which is another thing that's chasing fans away from the sport and and maybe chasing chasing people to listen to us sometimes because we're we're not gonna ignore it. I I mean I don't know if we're ever gonna change it, but we're gonna keep trying. We're gonna keep trying, and I tried it for twenty five years at ESPN, and I'm gonna keep trying, and um, I don't know any other way. So you go and you got you got Bird, they ask him, they they sent the guy out there to interview him, and did you didn't you see the punches that were landing, the jab that seemed to swell the eye? And then of course it should have been a different outcome because then it would have been Maloney getting his title back. Of You're course. robbing a guy. Again. Again. Right in front of our eyes. So it's the jab. But he says, "No, we saw, we saw two headbutts, at least two headbutts." Okay, can you? I would have wished that somebody would have went into the into the announcer's ear, you know, the the interviewer's ear, and said, "Show it to us." That's all. Show it to us. So a bird might have fainted right there, but just show it to us. You said you got two. Show it to us because we've been watching nothing but jabs. Swell this guy's <laughs> for the last 30 minutes. And we haven't seen a headbutt. Nothing conclusive. That actually, we saw the head go fall, but we never saw it touch his eye or touch the, the head. Not to swell an eye like that. No. So, But we didn't even see it go all the way in. So, you know, everybody's different. Some people have higher bones in certain areas where they're more prone to being swollen. I, I'm going to put that out there. But we didn't see contact. But we did see contact with the glove, with the jab. So just show it to us. Show it to us. You just said there's two of them. Show it to us. Even now, show it to us. It's three days later. Show us now. Or reverse it. it the, the fight's I'm gonna over. Predict, I'm going to predict what's going to happen with boxing, with its ineptness, with its corruption, with everything else. I'm not saying it was planned, but they're going to overturn it quietly in a room they're gonna come out and say we did the right thing no you didn't the right thing would have been doing it right right there you got forced big difference big difference doing the right thing and and being forced to do big difference big difference it's you know so 
It's like a guy gets caught red-handed uh, in the stock market and uh, robbing, whatever. I'll go easy. I'll go white-collar crime, whatever. Terrible. And he he gives a he pays a twenty million dollar fine. I I did the right thing. What? <laughs> you didn't do the right thing. You did what you were forced to do to stay out of jail. <laughs> you didn't give twenty million because you had an extra twenty in your pocket. You did it because you didn't want to go to the pen. He paid twenty million, but he robbed two billion. Yeah, well, that's part of it too. That's true, Ken. Um, By the so, way, the, the one thing for me that was split, that was blatantly obvious what happened, Maloney's reaction when they stopped the fight, he knew he punched him in the eye. He jumped around like he just won the fight, even though the the referee is saying accidental headbutt. And then after, in the interview, when he was in tears, talking about what you always talk about, he's like, they robbed me. Now I got to go back to the back of the line. When am I going to get a shot again? And he's like, look... He, I'm in the ring. I punched him in his eye. As soon as I hit the eye, I saw it start to swell up. You know that you could just tell, listening to him, the guy was being sincere, and he knows what happened. He was in there. He knows he didn't headbutt him. That's why I fight and I fought all those years at ESPN. I don't want a medal, but it didn't help too much, <laughs> so I wouldn't get a medal. No, maybe one of those... Um, Maybe one of those merit badges, <laughs> those <laughs> those merit badges that I get for my grandson. They come in cracker ba- cracker jacks box. They're, they're cool. You put them on there. It's a little merit badge. Um, so, but I fought for them so hard because I knew what it meant. It wasn't like a baseball player get robbed of a base hit, you know, and then he comes up the next inning and he can make up for it, and it doesn't change his life. But when you rob these fighters, and the reason people would say, oh, my God, Teddy goes after these guys. Yeah, yeah, because I know what it means. It means that they go to the back of their line and have to face thousands of punches again to get back there. And when they get back there, it may never, they may never get back there. And if they do, the night will not, ever be the same they it might not line up the stars the karma the energy the preparedness that they had it it might never be there again and most likely it won't they got it right that night give them a reward for that let them get what they work to get what they sacrificed to get what they risked to get but then when they come back it might never be there for them again everything might not be lined up perfectly the way it was that night they might not be feeling the way they were that night and that's why i would say you look what you're doing to these guys you bums you bums so you know here again this is what's going to happen my prediction they're going to turn around and say ha ah, we looked at it and we're ordering a rematch well well we're ordering a rematch or they might even say they might even say we're giving the title and then we'll order in a rematch. We're giving the title back to Maloney. They could go two ways. We're giving the title back to Maloney. We made a mistake. We saw it. And and then we're ordering that they have to fight again. Or just we're ordering a rematch. Just that's it. And this way, they save a little face. It looks like they're doing something. And what they really did was... Now they get sanctioner fees again. Now they now they they created another fight, another payday, 
where they're just going to be able to, again, take money from it. I mean, they do that when they rob, when when you see these robberies in the public demand something and, and there's an outcry and they're forced to do a rematch, they, they come, okay, we're doing a rematch. What they don't tell you is, and we're getting sanctioned fees again, and we're getting, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're double dipping. Basically, that's what they're doing at the end of the day. Instead of doing it the right way at the beginning, they're, they're covering up. It's like removing the fingerprints from, from a heist. They're, they're cleaning the fingerprints from a heist. Instead of doing it right, instead of not committing the heist, they freaking commit the heist. <laughs> it's unbelievable. They commit the heist, and, and then they say, oh, you know, we'll do it again, and everybody will be happy. They know how to survive. Boxing, that, they know how to survive. And instead of how to correct the corruption, get rid of it, correct the incompetence, get rid of it, get rid of it. And I had to, again, I, I, you just, you, you wonder why people are leaving the sport and going to UFC. You wonder why? Watch that. Sit there for a half an hour. Watch what's right in front of your eyes, what's clear, couldn't be clearer. They, they keep you there half an hour instead of watching a fight, and then they come back with the wrong decision. What do you think people are going to do? What do you think? They're going to embrace that sport? Say, wow, that's why I love boxing. <laughs> that's why I love boxing. Look at that. No, it's the opposite. And... Go ahead, Ken. Well, that brings us to the main event where Terrence Crawford stops Kell Brook. I mean, you described it perfectly on Twitter. You know, Kell Brook is a game guy. He's an elite fighter, but he's also been stopped twice with two fractured orbitals on either side of his face. Um, and he looked great until he started getting touched. And, that, and it was as soon as Crawford landed clean, it was over. We'll talk about the uh, drama between Crawford and uh, Bob Arum. That's an uh, interesting side story. But let's first deal with the fight. Terrence Crawford stops Kell Brook. Um, he looked awesome when he had him hurt. He closed the show. Crawford's an awesome uh, finisher, like you said earlier. And credit to Kell Brook. He's tough as hell. But once the chin goes, it's kind of like you can't be in there with these kind of power punches like Crawford and Triple G and the likes and, and expect to stay around very long if they're going to connect. What'd you see? You know, it was like that joke. You ever hear that joke where the guy, the guy jumps off to Empire State Building and he's falling down and around the 50th floor as he's falling down, the guy looks out the window at him and he says, how am I doing? Good so far. <laughs> 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 and like, how am I doing? Good, so far, good, you know, because they know what's coming. You ain't going to be doing good another 50 uh, floors down. You're going to be splatted. And that's what this fight was about. And I said it on ESPN Live, on ESPN Sports Center that morning. I'm, I'm not sure the promoter wanted me to say that, but I tried to say the truth. I said that morning when they said, Teddy, tell us who's going to win and why. Um, Crawford's going to knock him out because... Brook is damaged goods. What? Yeah, he's damaged. Oh, you didn't hear that in the uh, press releases? <laughs> no, they missed. They love. It. He's damaged goods. 
He got knocked out twice. Got orbital bones broken, both eyes. And he was forced to submit in the one against Spence. When your spirit is broken for a fighter, I argue for anybody in life, it's worse than your bones getting broken. It doesn't heal. He had a broken spirit. You know what that's like? That's like taking an engine out of a car. You can roll it down a hill for a while. As long as the hill's long enough. It'll move. Don't try to go uphill. Ain't no engine there. That's, that was, that's how I broke it down. I haven't gotten uh, any calls from anybody over there yet saying, great job. You're right on the button there, Ted. <laughs> I, I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I think those calls are going to come. But... That that's the only way I could see it. I know something, not just about boxing, but the human spirit. That's what this is about. It's always about that. It's always at the forefront. And I just felt that, I felt that the promoter, I felt that they, they ran a scam. I know that's strong words. I know, I know. But I thought they ran their own little scam. They set, they, they set up an optical illusion. They set up where it looked like a competitive fight. They needed to do that. The guy looks the part. You know, he's strong. He looks good. They, they, it looked like he was a, they used his name. He's a former world champion. Once upon a time, he beat Porter, who's a viable fighter nowadays, right? A while ago, but yeah. So they set up. They set up a sting operation. Get that movie up there, Robbie, baby. The Sting, one of the classics. Paul Newman, young Paul Newman, and Robert Redford. Oh, well, you've seen that, Ken? That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hmm. Great, great, great movie. Great movie. They set up their own sting operation, Ken, where it's kind of like a mirage in the desert. You know, you, you, you get told all this stuff, the heat gets to you a little bit, and you, and you start seeing an oasis. Oh, you see palm trees and water. Oh, oh, I can't get there fast enough. Oh, it's on free ESPN too? <laughs> okay, let me get there. And you get there, and what do you get? Sand in your freaking mouth. <laughs> you get sand in your mouth. And, and listen, I'm, I got to say it, because I got to. Because it's true. They knew what they were doing. They got good numbers, I'm sure. They'll come out tomorrow, whatever. But three years, but the people there, the people at ESPN don't know. They just know whatever they're told. But the promoters know. That's their business. They know exactly. And so how could you be surprised? For me, what I said was, soon, soon as this guy basically gets hit, Soon as he and and Rob, maybe you put part of my interview from ESPN. Maybe we'll put part of it out. Let's we'll see if Rob is able to do that. If we're able to do it, but soon as he gets hit, that's it. That's it. So it's kind of like I said. It's a car rolling down the hill. Three rounds, just jabs, just posturing, just a chess match, just fencing, rolling downhill, no problem. But as soon as he got hit in the fourth round, bang! 
Sony with a hybrid punch. By the way, by the way, uh, I'll be shameless for, again for a moment. Uh, on Dynamic Punches, I do videos. Dynamicstriking.com. I'm sorry, Dynamic Striking. Thank you, Ken. You have a piece of the company? Uh, Dynamicstriking.com. You should have one if you don't. Uh, I do instructional videos. And the last one I did that's coming up is 14 different ways to throw a jab. Yeah, 14 different ways to throw a jab. And one of them I called it the hybrid, where it's from the same position as a jab, but you, you throw from the shoulder and boom, you turn it a little bit and you get more power. It's like a hook jab, a hybrid. And that's exactly the punch that he threw. And listen, part of what makes Crawford so damn good is that he's got the best instincts I've ever seen in the game. Yeah, yeah, I said it. The best instincts. He he knows how to make it as he as he goes. He makes it up as he goes sometimes. He he's got extraordinary IQ in the ring, extraordinary reflexes uh but but really instincts and and great at timing things but the reason he's great at timing things is because of his instincts he knows what he's timing he knows what he's looking at he knows what's there his instincts tell him brook threw his jab from too close dangerous got to throw it from full extension he threw it from too close and bang that hybrid hook jab he timed them beautiful. Now listen, the brook before his spirit was evacuated from his soul, from his body, three years ago, would have handled that punch. But not the spiritless Kel. No. No, he's, he's an empty vessel floating out on the ocean. It's a ghost ship. Yeah, it's a ghost ship, Ken. He was a ghost ship. And that, as soon as he got hit, it was over. And the thing that, I, I mean, I, I just watched it. I said, boy, that's exactly what I said. And But what else could it be if you know this business and you know how the human condition works? What else could it be? And I got to tell you, those announcers, they, they know the sport. I get it. And it's not just them. It's a lot of different guys. But I'm just reminded why I'm not working. Because I'm not covering up mirrors. I ain't doing the Dracula. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't do it. I ain't doing the Dracula, baby. Where I'm covering, I'm putting a towel over a mirror so I don't have to see what's looking at me. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I guess these guys don't use mirrors. Because if that's not... Uh, I mean, they, they know what to... They know, that's the problem. They do know. There's no excuse. They know. They know. But yet when the fight starts, one of them says, the lead guy, right? He says, oh, this... This is going to be... I, I thought I was watching like Sugar Ray Robinson and, and freaking uh, <laughs> Carmen Basilio. I, I, I mean, or Sugar Ray Lennon and Tommy Hearns. <laughs> or Roberto Duran was going to get in the ring. Really, I was like, maybe I got the wrong channel. 
me check here. No, this is Brooke and uh, no, this is Brooke and uh, and, and and Crawford. But oh, this is a prime. I forget the exact words. Maybe you remember. But he said this is a prime, dangerous. You know, basically, I'm I'm not using I'm I'm not quoting him verbatim. This is a prime, dangerous. Well, he looked good, but that's like looking at a car in a car lot that's shiny. By the way, the guy shined it before he came in. It's shiny. It looks glossy. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Don't open the hood. Don't open. Ken, don't open the hood. Don't open the hood. There's no engine. There's no engine. So here he is. He's saying, oh, this guy, this is a dangerous, this is a prime, serious. No. Uh, no, it was what I said. It's a ghost ship, but 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 that's where the shilling part. They know, but he might not know. He's not a, an expert. But the but the analyst guys, they know. They're good. They're good. They are. They know. But then one of the analysts comes right behind that and says, "Anybody out? I wonder if it was a shot of me. I don't know. Anybody out there? I didn't even know this." My my family told me about it. They love me, you know. They love me. They want me to be aware of everything, you know. Sometimes I wish they didn't love me that much, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, but but they do. They love me, and I love them, and I'm very very, I'm so blessed. And here, they the so one of the analysts starts by saying, anyone who thinks this is not going to be a hard, who thinks this is going to be an easy fight, doesn't know anything about boxing. Um, does that mean you? <laughs> because, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, because it turned out to be an easy fight. So does that mean you don't, I, I know you do, don't get me wrong, I know that you do, but then what's the explanation for it? Ken, stick with me here. What's yeah. the explanation? It's called shilling. You want to keep no working? Other, keep working. Um, you know, the seal clapping for fish. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, uh, just, you know, yeah, keep working. Keep working. Because, look, the promoter is the one who allows you to keep those seats. I know it shouldn't work that way, but it, it does work that way. The, the network is going to abide by what the promoter wants as far as it goes, same thing with PPC, all those guys, it's all the same. The promoter is going to dictate to the network to a certain extent, to a certain extent, have they have a lot of say over who is going to be behind the microphone. And, you know, if it's not a guy that's going to promote their product, and I get that part, I do, but there's a difference between promoting your product and being honest. There, there's a little difference. There's a, you, you can promote the product, but when there are times when you know something is going to be along the lines of what I just said, well, don't you have an obligation to be honest? Don't you have an obligation to tell, don't, to tell the public what you know? And And in the end, maybe it... They look at it like, oh, no, you don't want to tell them not to watch. 
Well, or give them a reason not to. I get it. But if you're doing your job and you're just letting them know, they're watching anyway. They're there watching anyway, Ken. It's not like they're going to say, oh, I'm out of here. No, they're, they're watching. But aren't they going to appreciate it a little bit? At the end of the day, isn't there going to be a payoff a little bit for the network that the fans will say, the guy told me the truth. So the next time he tells me something, which will wind up being positive about a great fight, I'm going to believe him. But the next time he says it's going to be a great fight, they're going to remember this too. And they're going to say, eh, not so fast. But anyway, I'm sorry. I had to, I'm human. I'm human. I, well, I, listen, I, now, now we've covered what happened in the fight. Let's get to the drama with Aram and Crawford. And part of that ties into what you're talking about with Kell Brook. And they did everything they could to promote Kell Brook as a, as a real challenge for Crawford. And listen, everyone in boxing knows the only fight that anyone wants to see with Terrence Crawford is against Errol Spence, period. And Bob says Errol Spence. No, is no, there's rational. one other. There's one other. There's Pacquiao. one other out there. Pacquiao, Pacquiao. That, yeah, that, that's yeah because fair because he's an icon. Fair. Um, that being said, they seem to be on two completely different pages. Crawford has hinted that he's going to finish out the contract, um, which I think has a little less than a year left. And right before the fight, I think Lance Pugmire did an interview with um, with Arab, and Arab said something to the effect of, who says we even want Crawford? He's cost me so much. I've lost more money on these last three promotions. I could build a house in Beverly Hills with the money I've spent promoting his fights. And then he went on to say, uh, if if Crawford promoted his fights the way Tiafimo Lopez did and Manny Pacquiao did, maybe we would make some money on these fights. And all I could think was, fighter, promoter. Fighter, Bob's the promoter. Fighter is the fighter. Why, I get that you want to promote yourself, but I mean, what what else should Terrence Crawford do? Take out billboards? Advertising his wares? I mean, the promoter. By contrast, if you watch the um, Katie Taylor fight this weekend on zone, after the fight, Eddie Hearn did an interview with her, and I thought it was the best example ever of a promoter promoting his fights. He just spoke eloquently of all the challenges out there. He talked of all the big fights he wanted to make. He just promoted the hell out of her. She just stood there and listened. But it was just such a contrast to the interview that Aram then did the next night with, with um, Crawford. And that, again, they seemed to be on two different pages. It was very uncomfortable. Bob, after giving the interview to Pugmire the night before, is there talking about, yeah, we want to do Pacquiao, we want to do this, we want to do that. And Terrence was just kind of standing there like, whatever. You know, like they, they clearly are on two different pages and that's heading for probably a messy divorce. What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, you know, it is funny to watch to promote anybody. It doesn't have to be Aram squirm a little. <laughs> he was squirming, but but I got to say, Aram is very—he's very good at squirming. It's very—he's—he's uh, he's been, he's been practiced at it pretty good, so he he does it pretty well. <laughs> Whereas somebody else, it might not look quite as uh, good, uh, but he he knows how to do it. You know, he listen. It was funny to watch him in the ring afterwards saying, this is the greatest fighter since, you know, since, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, Sugar Ray Leonard. Uh, he, he could beat anyone. This guy, I was waiting for him. I, I wanted to, like, say, 
Bob, you left out Hercules. You left out Samson. You left out, <laughs> I mean, you beat Hercules and Samson on the same night. You know, I mean, God almighty, this guy. But that's how some of them are. But he's saying all that after after he said, maybe we don't even want him. But yeah, yeah. And that's why you can't believe a word the guy says. But I think Crawford knows that, to be quite frank. I mean, and most people that have been around uh, the block a couple times. But look, that's I didn't come here to defend Aram, obviously. But I am here to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but what I believe to be the whole truth. Whether it's again with someone who I don't have a lot of respect for at the way they live their life, or whether it's someone I tremendously respect. Uh, if they're on the wrong side of it, I'm going to say it. If the other guy's on the right side, I'm going to say it. So having said that, I'm going to say that's not throw a pity party for Crawford. First of all, number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world for me. I always had him and Lomachenko, and I said you could flip-flop either way. But number one pound-for-pound for, pound for all the reasons I just said. Greatest instinctive fighter with instincts I've ever seen in my life. And great talent to go along with it and everything else. But this is a guy that has become a millionaire fighting low-risk fights. I mean, ESPN money has made him rich. And the money before Aram hooked up with ESPN too. They, they've made this guy rich, rich and considered pound for pound the best in the world. And his resume... It's not the best in the world. I'm not knocking him. Again, I'm here to say one thing. One minute I might be saying the greatest thing about Crawford. The next minute I'm pointing out some shadows. That's what we do. If you're going to consider yourself fair-minded. And if you're going to get the respect of the public. So, yeah. He, he's a three-division champion. But... There's not one, there's not one name there that you could point at to say that that's a signature legacy fighter or fight. There's not one. So somebody's trying to get my door over here. I'm sorry, I got distracted <laughs> for my grandson. I want to let him in so bad. But, and the poor thing, he's crying now. Um, he just came home from school. But the thing is, and he is pound for pound. Three years old, probably about 55 pounds. He is pound <laughs> for pound the king. And my grandson out in Vegas and my granddaughter. The, the, point, the, the point here is that he's become a rich man without fighting a rich resume of guys. You know, and so there's not a pity party to be made here for him. And he made a choice, he being Crawford, he made a personal choice to re-sign two years ago, I think it was 2018, with Top Rank, knowing that Top Rank couldn't produce the legacy fights. They're all over at PBC. Al Heyman has them. Everyone knows that. 
Spence and Porter and Garcia, Pacquiao, and really the ones are what you said. It's only Spence and Pacquiao. That's the ones that's going to be the legacy fight, the bigger money fight. But this guy just got 4 to $5 million. I think it was $4 million Crawford the other night to fight a guy who was a ghost ship. Really? Not bad. Not bad. And you don't even have to dive down, you know, 10,000 leagues under the sea to find the treasure. You don't even have to do that. Just to jump in, yeah, reportedly Crawford got $4 million, Brooke got $2 million for that fight. Pretty good payday for that fight. Yeah, I would say so. You might, you might turn it down because you're in, the, you're in those special, you know, those high numbers. <laughs> so you might, say, you might say no to it. You, might, you, you know, I mean, how many Ferraris are you going to drive? For, you know two million, I mean? for $2 million, I will definitely get in the ring with Crawford for $2 million. Well, you, uh, I mean, you... Well, get in the ring. I, I just, <laughs> yeah. Listen, look, again, that, Aram has done a pretty damn good job. He's got the guy number one in the world. He's helped be part of that. He's made him a rich man. And he's fought low-risk fights for the most part. I mean, the biggest name was probably who? Khan? And Khan was a guy that, that always blew fights, big fights, always blew fights. And had made so much money, he didn't care anymore. Khan was Khan was a good Khan, and Khan was really he used to be okay, but he was you know come on, let's be honest here. Then he fought Mean Machine, and I would argue till the death that till my death that Ray Robinson in um, Philadelphia beat him. Yeah, listen, again beat Mean Machine. I, I'm not here to do work to help Bob Arum. He's beyond that point anyway. He's terrible. I'm here to tell the truth. And so you can't just throw darts at Aram and knives and daggers at Aram for that. He He's done. But I'm sure Aram's been telling him whatever he wanted to hear. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get you this fight. I'm going to be probably telling him now. He, Aram's going to do one of two things. You're going to let him go, which it's headed towards, or he's going to come up with more money, you know, from ESPN money, his money with ESPN, his deal. Uh, his deal originally was somewhere around $92 million a year he gets, and it comes out with 52 fights. It comes out to somewhere around $1.8 million of a show. Some, something like that. Uh, don't quote me, but I know it's, in, it's, it's been said that it's in that stratosphere somewhere. And, and then maybe it was adjusted with the COVID a little bit. Everybody had to adjust numbers with the COVID. But whatever. It's up to Aaron what he wants to do with that money, who he gives it to. Um, he... You know, it's going to be hard to go to ESPN and say, give me more money, you know, at this point in this environment and everything else after everything they've given him. Uh, it's up to him if he wants to partake with some of his money or he's going to he's gonna tell Crawford, hey, I'll get you the Pacquiao fight. You know, we don't know how much is left with PBC. Pacquiao might have one more fight left. See, I'm giving you guys everything that you normally wouldn't get the best that I can. Pacquiao might have one more fight left with PPC. There's some other people that supposedly signed Pacquiao. You never know with Pacquiao. He, he's, the, he's the greatest. He's the greatest. He is. He's a, he's a special, special human being. And he, and he helped so many people in the Philippines. It's, he's incredible. And, and that's why people love him there. You know, he gives them hope. And he gives them more than hope. He gives them money. I mean, this is a special guy. But 
he's also a guy that uh, if Ken walked in his house, he might sign with Ken uh, in about three hours. <laughs> and, <laughs> or at least hire uh, me to be a strength and conditioning uh, coach. Yeah, something, something. I mean, so you don't know who, what's really going on in the life of Pacquiao. You know, if he's with Haven for one, or he's signed with someone else, doesn't mean they're not going to work it out. They're not going to be able to make a fight. So Aaron might just turn around and say, hey, I could get you that fight and hold him on or just let him go. And Aaron, again, I'm not here to defend him, but he's got a point. I did a special show for ESPN a couple years ago with Crawford, and it was good. You guys could Google. It was on ESPN. It was, it was on a couple of platforms. It was breaking down his fights, his formative fights, his early years, the fights that brought him to where he got and and breaking it down fight by fight of what he was doing and things that you might not know unless you really put a, a highlight on it. And that's when I realized how great he was instinctively. He was doing things when we did that piece, it was an hour, that I had to run the film back and say, do you know you did that? No, no, I didn't. Wow. Wow. Just unbelievable. So... But he doesn't make for great conversation. But here's the funny thing is, he's a smart guy and he can make good conversation. He can if he chooses to. He can. Anyone who says, oh no, you know, he's just a good fighter. He doesn't have the mentality or he doesn't have the personality or he doesn't have the smart. No, you, you couldn't be more wrong. Couldn't be more wrong. He knows how to talk. He does. But he's not inclined to give, you know, uh, Mike Tyson type interviews. Uh, or or to give Conor McGregor type interview. He's not, in, or even Floyd Mayweather, a great promoter. He's not inclined to do that. So Aram's right. You, you can help yourself. You can a little bit in that area. But really it comes down to his talent. He's got that. And it comes down to the fights that are out there. There's only two pay-per-view fights that can get him the kind of money he wants, and the legacy that seems to be, I think, important to him of how he'll be remembered, if he wants to be remembered in that kind of class with those great fighters. Those great fighters all had a dance partner. Ali had Frazier, Foreman, you know. Uh, obviously, Duran, Duran had Sugar Ray Leonard and all the other great... Sugar Ray Leonard had Hearns, and Duran and oh, Marvin Hagler, you know, had Hearns. He he had he had Leonard. I mean, really, to go to that iconic remembrance hall of fame, that that special legacy to be left behind, you need those signature fights. And right now, if that's what he wants, he's got to. He's got to go across the street, most likely, to PPC, to Heyman. So it's either going to go that way or, again, I didn't come here to defend Aaron, but the truth is the truth. Look at this signature. I don't think it's a for, uh, forgery. A forgery. I don't think it's a forgery, Ken. It's Crawford's signature on that contract when he renewed that contract two years ago. He got paid a bonus money, obviously, and whatever, and, and he decided, yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay. He knew those fights won't. Maybe Aaron was lying to him a little. Okay, but still, the check was there. He took a check. He signed. He made an agreement to stay with Top Rank. So 
he made that decision. Now, before this thing ends, I don't know how much time's left. Sometime next year, supposedly, his contract will be up. Now, will top rank try to get extra months on there because of the COVID, saying, you know, we he had to miss time, so you should give us back. Yeah, they, they'll probably try to do that. But it'll be sometime next year, I guess, that his contract will be up. All right? For everyone out there, so you get up to speed on a, some idea, some way of get, getting your head around this. Maybe... Maybe Aaron offers him another seven-figure bonus to stay. He allegedly said he'd pay him a million bucks by the end of the year if he doesn't get the Spence fight made for him. Allegedly. Maybe, yeah, maybe that'll become two million. I don't know. But maybe maybe he'll offer, say, we could still make the Pacquiao fight, whatever. We'll, I'll find your fight, but give him, a, give him another bonus and maybe... Maybe he stays in a barn. Maybe he stays in that stable because of that. Or maybe this legacy is that important to him. And as great as the four million of, that he's been picking up these checks, three million, four million, all these checks, and he, he's become wealthy, he'd like to get one like Garcia got when he fought Spence over at PBC. Garcia got around $14 million when it was all said and done. That's more than four million. That's ten million more. So maybe he wants one of those. Now I don't know if those checks exist anymore because the way the zone and PBC was throwing around money was like they were dropping it out windows. <laughs> Get another movie up there, The Punisher. Get that movie up there, The Punisher with John Travolta when when uh, he went into the place up up in a building and he took all the dirty money from uh that travolta and his his crew were making and he dumped it all out the window and it was raining money it was raining money well it was raining money out of freaking windows with pbc and the zone a few years ago for the last few years but that stopped that stopped they caught that guy just like they did in a the movie. They caught that guy that was dumping the money out there. And <laughs> they closed the window. <laughs> Get out of here. Get away from that window. So, but for a Spence fight, for a Pacquiao fight, they will find that money. They will one way or the other. They're, they're bank on it with the pay-per-view numbers. And for those, not, none of the others, not Porter, not Garcia, you know, none of those other guys. But for that, if if Spence, we're taking for granted, shouldn't take for granted that Spence is going to get past Garcia. That hasn't happened yet. Good point. He's got to get past him. But, and he had that accident. So we don't know. We don't know what Spence is right now. But at the end of the day, if he wants to go for legacy and a huge check instead of $4 million. That's pretty huge anyway. But a $14 million check like Garcia get against Spence uh, and, and the kind of money that was there and was handed out in some of those fights. I mean, you know, look look at the money that uh, Danny Jacobs, you can make the argument that Danny Jacobs, what, what was it against Golovkin? I'm trying to remember which fight it was, but his manager, Keith Connolly, the money was there. He what did he get him? He, he got him seventeen million, or was it was it was it less than that? But whatever I'm it was, I'm checking the exact amount. But it was uh, Danny Jacobs against Triple G on the zone. 
I thought it was I thought it was seven, but maybe I'm wrong. Rob's looking it up. Yeah, I mean, you, there's always deals where and you're taking some on the back end. Of course. Where where if the numbers do good, you, that seven can become fourteen or whatever. He I, made I don't, life. Either way, he made life changing money. Life changing money. And listen again, Crawford has already made, but the money has been out there. So he wants to trade in what he's doing with Top Rank for one of those checks and one of those legacy fights. Um, he's. He's going to make the decision to do that. But again, before you bury before you bury Aram, and it's easier to bury Aram with some of his past, but before you do that, again, he signed the, he under free will signed the extension two years ago. And he's, you know, he's never going to have to, he's never going to have to worry about paying his electric bill. Sounds like he might have been promised that these big fights were going to be made. That sounds like what most likely happened. Well, based that's on the Aram's doc. M.O., on the rhetoric. That's his MO. And, and, and Danny Jacobs actually got the big money, I think, against for the fight against Canelo. And then he got the double bubble with with the Triple G fight as well. So he's he's made a lot of money. Yeah, um, I mean, he, he got a couple big checks. And uh, and I'm sure Spence says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm I'm undefeated. Danny wasn't undefeated. I'm, uh, I, I'm pound for pound. Number one, Danny's not powerful. But hey, listen, those things are not the things that dictate that all the time. But I'm sure that somebody's in his ear telling him things like that. And yep. again, you can't... Any fighter deserves whatever he can make. I always That's say true. that. I don't begrudge him one dime, Ken, because they take the risk. They get yep. in the ring, like I said, for years at ESPN. You never know if you're going to get out of that ring with what you went in there with. Never. Never. Matter of fact, you can be pretty sure you're going to come out with less most of the time. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with all that drama. I'm sure we'll see it play out in the media here soon. Um, next up, some other boxing news that we wanted to cover. Uh, WBC creates the Bridger category between cruiser and heavyweight, 224-pound limit. And uh, interestingly, they named Bridger after the young boy who was mauled by a pit bull this summer while protecting his younger sister, had his face all torn up. Um, you know, it sounds like uh, this category was created probably for um, Usyk, uh, but nevertheless, I'm sure you have a lot of thoughts on the uh, WBC here. Yeah, well, I want to thank them for bringing another division to the game. <laughs> I just want to thank them for that. You know, we we have four hundred. We need four hundred one, right? We we just we need more divisions. We need more titles. We need more belts. It couldn't have something to do with them wanting another division and another title so they could uh, get another uh, extortion. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say extortion. How the hell did that word come out? Um, extortion fee? Gee, no. Um, I meant to say sanctioning fee. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm I'm sure that it had nothing to do with wanting to get another sanctioning fee. No, they got enough money. They, uh, you know, I'm sure that's not it. Uh, listen, I don't know what bothers me more. I'm joking around, but what bothers me more is that they're daring to bring another division, another freaking title to a sport that, I mean, it's like does a does a cow need another set of udders? I mean, like, I mean, no, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, really, the, this sport doesn't need, it's already lacking in credibility. So you're going to bring another to make it lack more in credibility, to, to diminish the sport, to delete the sport, to dilute the sport more than it's diluted already? 
I mean, come on. Are you kidding me? But I don't know what bothers me more, Ken, that they're doing that or they're using the memory and the vision of a kid, a beautiful kid, a brave, 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 true champion, little kid who saves his sister. I think it was his sister or maybe it was a couple of his siblings. Saved his sister from being attacked by a dog and he got mauled protecting his sister very badly yeah and i mean what a beautiful kid yeah and what a beautiful story and what a champion of a young human being but i don't know what bothers me more to suggest that you're going to bring another division already into an overcrowded sport of divisions that mean nothing or that you use what i just described that image and that name of that kid to deflect the kind of criticism that you know you're going to get from people like me and the public because the public is already destroying them. Oh, yeah, public's not dumb. Hey, guys out there, I try to remind you, the public is not dumb, all right? And already they were jumping all over and saying, are you kidding? Are you kidding? And for those people out there that might side with, well, like Max Kellerman, my buddy, but that might side with, well, the athlete is so much bigger now, Teddy, that you need a super heavyweight. No, stop. Stop it. Because then you eliminate the greatness of people like Evander Holyfield coming to our lives. Where he comes in as a little guy, a cruiserweight, he goes up to heavyweight and he beats the Giants that are just as big as the big guys today. I know they're bigger, Fury and, and Joshua and, and those guys. I know how big they are, but Lennox Lewis was big. Huge, big guy. So was Riddick Bowe. And Holyfield was supposed to be too small and he beat them all. He beat them. He was, he was the Giant Slayer. Jack the Giant Slayer. Evander the Giant Slayer. And are we going to eliminate that? Go back in the history even farther. Go back to the 30s in this great sport in the golden era. Go, go back then. And you had, you had Primo Canero. You had big guys then too. It wasn't everyone was small. The guys were smaller, the heavyweights, like Marciano, 185 pounds, 180 pounds, Floyd Patterson, 180, Jersey Joe Walcott, 180, Joe Lewis, 200, 205. Yeah. But then you had Max, you had Primo Canero, about 260, six foot six. He was heavyweight champ. He was big. And Max Bear, who's probably about 200, 205, knocks him out. So you've always had big guys. This ain't the first time we had to deal with the big athlete. I know there's, it's more prominent now i know with the football players the basketball players everybody all the athletes baseball everything but you still have the special guys that come along and they make it in baseball when they're five six or in basketball when they're five five or something whether it's mugsy what was his name mugsy bowls mugsy uh, bogues nate robinson nate robinson uh Archie, what was his, Archie? Uh, Nate Archibald. Nate Archibald, Nate the Skate Archibald. You know, all, all these, you're going to say that they're too small? No, they, 
there was something inside them that was too big for you to say they were too small. Yeah, yeah. So what are you going to, uh, you're going to, not to mention you've already damaged the sport. Now you're going to damage with the history, with the history of this sport where when you think about boxing, you think about heavyweight. First thing you think about, heavyweight. Heavyweight champ of the world. Once was the biggest, was the, it was the biggest title there was in the world. Heavyweight champ of the world. And you think about that is what was the North Star of boxing. That's what people thought of. The single baddest man on the planet. <coughs> when Tyson made us think of that. The heavyweight champ of the world. Not the super heavyweight champ of the world. Not the super duper heavyweight. That'd be the next thing they come up with. The super duper 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 platinum champion. Stop it. You're going to take away more than you've taken away from the sport. Keep that history. It's important. It's the lifeblood of the sport. It, 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 it shouldn't be taken away. And what shouldn't be taken away is the opportunity to see a special guy who's supposed to be too small come in with the Giants and it turns out he's too fast. He's too smart. He's too good. He's too determined. And he wins. We need that more today than ever. We need that hope. We need that example. We need that image out there for people who say, nobody tells you you're too small. Look at this guy. He's heavyweight champ of the world. We, we've never needed it more. It's so crucial. We don't want to eliminate the examples that are still out there for somebody to come and show you that, hey, it don't matter how big the guy is in a fight. It's how big the fight is in a guy. That's what still matters. That's what matters to your kids. The kids in school that, that are being picked on and bullied. It's, they have to understand that. They have to have something to look up to, to believe that. To have an example of that. You can't take that away. We've had too much taken away from us in society in a way that we skip past and we forget about things that should never be forgotten about and how we minimize things that should never be minimized and how we change things for the sake of changing to have another gadget, another bell and whistle. What the heck? What, are you just going to keep throwing tinsel on a Christmas tree until it looks like a snow cone? No, it's a Christmas tree. There's tradition. Heavyweight boxing, there's tradition. Don't take that away from us. Don't. You've taken too much already. I want to see the next guy come up the pike, down the pike, and walk in the ring and show everybody, hey, I'm the next Evander. I'm the next Muxy Bogues. I'm the next little guy that everyone said was too small. Except me. Except my mother and father when I was little. And look, here I am. Let's not lose that. 
that's too important to all of us. Boxing fans are not boxing fans. No, come on, stop it. I love this kid Bridger, uh, but that's that's not use that kid and that story. Thank God he's alive and that great heroic story to to be able to to get this to be passed where people will, you know, allow it because you're using that to deflect the criticism that's there and to hide from the real reason why you're doing it. Are you giving the Bridget family the sanctioning fees that are going to come in for that new division? I could answer that. I think you could answer that, Ken. Doesn't yeah, make you. So. No, I don't think so. We don't. I don't think we have to be uh, the Mason Kreskin, uh, you know, to to be able to use our brain waves to figure that one out. I think we know the answer. Well. Next up, I want to talk to you about Canelo. Canelo's out of the zone and uh, Golden Boy deal. I'm s- kind of surprised how quickly and quietly that happened. Just like, yeah, okay, uh, you had a. It, it was yeah. it was in the making though, Ken. Right, but I mean, it just seemed to like it was in the making seemingly for only a few weeks, and then the next thing you know, it's announced. Nevertheless, I bumped into a DAZN uh, friend the other day, and he said that most likely Callum Smith fight is going to happen. Eddie Hearn's working on it now. So it sounds like we're going to see Canelo and Callum Smith next. I would bet that that's what happens next. Canelo's got his own deal. He's going to be his own promoter. Sounds like it worked out for everyone with the exception of Golden Boy. And um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that one? Listen, Colin Smith, if there was still a live gate, it could make a big fight over in London because, again, I've said it before, my brothers and sisters over across the pond, we love you. Uh, You're so important to this sport. You're so important to the world, not just the sport. But you're passionate. You back your fighters. And you make stars over there because you don't have all the other sports and all the other, you know, options you have here with the Tiger Woods and the LeBron James and Tom Brady. You remember that guy, Tom Brady, right, Ken? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Uh, once he left once he left uh, Ken's team, <laughs> gone, done, the posters torn down. His poor son, you know, had a picture, had a poster of Tom Brady. He came in and was gone. Where was it? I don't know. I don't know. The wind, the window was open, and maybe a maybe a crow came in out of the out, out and pulled it off and took it away. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. The poor kid saying, "I wanted Tom Brady." Uh, of course, I'm kidding. Ken would never do that. But over there, that fight would be big because of what I just described. Because the fans embrace these fighters. And when they're developed the right way, which they do develop them over there, they be they become identified with. They become real stars over there. And over there, if there was still people allowed, it would be a big gate. Outside of that, I don't see it doing, I don't know, other than the Canelo following, I don't know that it does great in this environment, pay-per-view numbers, because nobody really knows Colin Smith. Now, he's a solid guy. He's undefeated. He's a world champion at super middleweight. He's got his titles, some of those titles that are out there. Uh, he's a big guy. He's he's got he's he's got good size, good height, good reach. He can punch. He's technically solid. Um, his he's like I was talking a little bit about 
Haney, his temperament's a little like that, where he wants to stay on the outside. He wants to get full extension on his punches. You know, he's got a real good sneaky left hook. I always talk about Ryan Garcia. He's got the best sneaky left hook in the business, Ryan Garcia. We'll see if he can get it done with Campbell. But this guy's got a really good left hook counter. Really good. And he's got a nice straight right hand. Uh, as I said, he likes to fight at a distance. He can fight inside too. Um, but he likes to fight at a distance. I just don't think he has the experience with... He hasn't fought the level of fighters. Of course he hasn't. Near... No one what, has. No one. Not too many have. Near what Canelo has. Near. So we don't know what he can really... Or if he knows. See, that's important, guys out there. We don't know if he knows what he... That's part of getting experience. The people say, oh, so we know that he could... Where we can handicap the fight... We know now we can judge him by the kind of guys he's been in. No, he need it, it's more for the fighter to know I belong. He doesn't know if he can handle that next level. And again, he hasn't had that experience on the stage to that level. Uh, so that's going to work against him. That's def, that'd definitely work against him. But he's capable enough to the level we've seen him. Again, why is Canelo rated so high in the pound for pound? Because of the level of competition we've seen him with, that he's been able to be effective with, successful with. We don't know that about Gollum Smith, but we do know what I just said, that he's a guy that technically pretty good. He doesn't move his head much. He um, relies on blocking and controlling range, controlling distance really well. Uh, you know, it, it's, if that's his, you got to have something coming out of the box when you're starting something new and leaving Golden Boy. And that's something. Yeah. It's it's not, but it's something. That's right. Uh, you mentioned Ryan Garcia. His fight was postponed to um, December 5th. He was supposed to fight Campbell this month. Campbell tested positive for COVID. I mean, we've seen a bunch of people test positive for COVID and come back strong. Uh, Cam Newton for the Patriots. We saw uh, Jamel Herring come back from um, COVID. So, you know, I, I think that Th this should be okay, and I I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this fight. This is a huge, huge test for Ryan Garcia, in my opinion. It's better for the promotion. It's better for Garcia, you know, uh, as far as the numbers, uh, if his money is locked into numbers a little bit or whatever. But uh, it it's better for the promotion. I don't yeah, know. Just, if to, just to clarify, Teddy, it was scheduled for December 5th, but now it's been pushed to late December could potentially get pushed to the early new year. Yeah, it was scheduled for the 5th. And the reason why I say it's better, it might not be better for Campbell. I mean, hopefully he recovers and hopefully, hopefully he's got enough training time to be 100%. And hopefully Ryan Garcia doesn't uh, overtrain. Those things can happen uh, when he was already in training, whatever. But it's better for the promotion, Ken. Uh, I'll tell you, because these idiots out there uh, that do these things uh, in boxing. The, some of these guys, I know they're not idiots. They're all wealthy guys that say, oh, Teddy, I got more houses than you have, so how could you call me an idiot? Well, when you put three freaking fights on three different networks on December 5th on the same freaking night, I think something's wrong. I think something's wrong. I think that, uh, you know, the wheels are, are moving. Or you're just so arrogant and 
greedy that you don't give a freak. But so it's better for the fans that now you don't have three freaking fights that you might want to watch and you can't watch them because they're all on basically the same time for the most part unless there's something with one of them being over in London where they show it earlier. But where you have them all on different networks the same night. So in that way, you remove one of the fights from the clogged calendar night of December 5th. That's good. That's good. Even though it had to have by COVID uh, to do it because it didn't happen by these geniuses doing it on their own. But um, I listen, I, I don't... I don't think this is a step up in class for. I've said it already on this air, on the podcast before. This is a step up in class for for Ryan Garcia, but not so much a step up in talent, uh, but in class. Uh, Campbell's a gold medalist. Campbell lost to Lomachenko. You know he was a world he was a world champion. Uh, he's a good boxer. He's a southpaw. He controls range, but he's not physically strong. Not that Garcia is, you know, any kind of he-man, Holman, he-man, whatever they call that. Uh, he-man. Not, yeah, not that he's, you know, he's a young guy. He might not have gotten that man strength yet. But I, Campo is not physically strong. I don't think it's a test in talent. I think it's a test in experience that he's yeah. going in there with a with a guy who's been there, uh, experienced. So in that way... It's a it's it's definitely a test from where he's been. It's not a huge test. Maybe it'll turn out to be a huge test. But for me, it's more just a testing experience that you're finally seeing him in there with somebody that, you know, you want to see him with a more experienced, uh, more accomplished guy. Yeah, and, and we'll do a full breakdown on that one right before the fight because that's a big fight for the year. And uh, I don't want to take away from our pre-fight analysis of that one because that's going to be a good one. And I, we, uh, you can go very deep on that, and I'm dying to hear your thoughts. But let's cover one more topic before we leave. Two weeks ago, uh, sorry, a week ago Saturday, we had a big UFC card, Texera and Thiago Santos um, UFC, uh, same night as zone and Fox shows and my God, those DAZN and the Fox shows were, to say they were bad would be an understatement. And on the same night as UFC put on another awesome event. I know you have some thoughts on that. So what would you see on that on the um, the UFC event? And what are your thoughts on the competing um, boxing cards? The competing, let's start with that. Here's my thought. You've heard things like this before. You ready? Yep. Why bother? Very fair. <laughs> Why bother? Why bother putting that freaking stuff on? It was a joke. Why bother? Why bother? Oh, I'll go. I, I'm going to ask Rob. Rob, you, my man, Rob, I've got you working a little bit today. Here, get me that, my favorite comedian. Uh, you know who he is. The name that I can't Sebastian pronounce. Sebastian Manacalco. Manacalco. Ken, you're like the Amazing Creskin. See, I don't need the Amazing Creskin. I used to love the Amazing I got Ken. Got my own Amazing Creskin. <laughs> that, that fight with Ortiz on Fox, Teddy, you, you could have easily found a guy off the street to be better. Easily. Put, put a clip from Sebastian up, all right? This, yeah. is gonna, this is going to, this will speak for me. Put a clip up there, Rob, where he's saying his signature thing now. Aren't you embarrassed? <laughs> Aren't you embarrassed? 
I mean, that's all I can say is why bother and aren't you embarrassed to put that on, you networks, you promoters? Really? And and again, that's why I'm not working at ringside because I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> that's okay. I might hang out with Sebastian. I might hang out with Sebastian. Aren't you embarrassed? Aren't you boxing promoters embarrassed? You know? And then you'll be ringside. Well, not ringside. See, everything's ringside for me. You'll be sitting front row. You and Rob, front row, baby. But listen, uh, Texera, wow, what a beast. What uh and Santos, there was more action in one round in that fight than there was the whole freaking night of Fox in the Zone. Every fight, put it all together, pile it on like a pile of, <laughs> you know, what I mean. <laughs> uh, and there was more action in the Texera Santos that night. You people, boxing fans, want to yell at me for talking about UFC? Look at that night. Exhibit A in the courtroom. Don't yell at me. Don't yell at me. Don't. If you have a valid thing, I'll take it. You don't have nothing valid. You put crap like that on, and it's been getting put on in boxing, and then you put on a fight like that on UFC, and you're going to tell me I should be watching the boxing? I should be talking about the boxing? No. No. Texera... And Santos, there was more action in one round than the whole freaking night of both those freaking networks. It was amazing. It was amazing. Texera gets dropped by Santos in the first round. I'm, I'm hoping my memory, I should look at my notes so my memory doesn't betray me. But he gets dropped in the first round and he gets up and he gets hit and hit and hit and he just keeps coming. He keeps coming against Santos to Sarah. He, he was like on the Nature Channel where you watch the salmon going upstream and they know they're going to die. <laughs> they, they do, Ken. They, but it's nature telling them, you got to go upstream to that place where you were spawned. And, and it's, it's almost like an ultrasound signal in the air that's, that's, that's drawing them. Like, we can't stop. It's imp- the journey is impossible. But guess what? I'm going to make it possible. That was Texera. There was an ultrasound siren calling him to go through this, to keep coming, to not stop. When, when there was physically, he shouldn't have been able to do it. But the call was stronger than the punches were. The need to accomplish was stronger than the pain to stop him from accomplishing it. It was amazing. He just kept coming. That's what these guys do, Ken. He just kept coming. And then in the second round, he goes and he winds up, same thing. He winds up, I'm trying to remember if it went two or three rounds. It went three, Three. I think. the, The second round, same thing. And then he gets... Santos into a chokehold at the towards the end of the round where Santos is gone, but he's not submitting. Oh my! <laughs> I was like, "Holy sh! This guy's out. He's gonna be out." And the bell rings, and he saves him because he didn't submit. And the guy is like semi-conscious, like Santos, <laughs> like, and and then comes out the third round and he drops Texera again 
or wobbles him. I don't remember if he dropped him or wobbled. He hurts Tixera again. Unbelievable. And then he overcomes it again. He overcomes that, and then he gets Santos again into a chokehold, yeah. and he ch- and he finally choke. You know, he finally chokes him out. It was, it was really it was it was a hell of an adventure. It was a hell of a journey to take with these two men. It really was to see to see something that I guess you know. I guess it just reminds us of how we can accomplish extraordinary things if we are forged enough, determined enough, prepared enough to accomplish those things. I mean, it, it, it really was out of the ordinary. It was, it was really something to see that. So yeah. again, don't, don't yell at me, guys, <laughs> when I talk about UFC because when you see the... Yell at the networks. Call up the networks. Tell them that you're getting rid of Fox. You're getting rid of the Zone. You, you, whichever ones. If they keep putting that that silly putty, that silly putty, really, come on. You keep putting that crap up there. It was ridiculous. You, you see fights sometimes over there, and and you see a guy get hit a punch and they fall down. Remember the one we watched? The guy got hit on the elbow and he fell down. Like, yeah. oh, it was a glass elbow. some of those fights are horrible by contrast Texera I like the interview afterwards where he's basically like hey Dana come on help me out I'm 42 years old or whatever his age is and he's like give me a title shot will you I'm like I'm beating everyone you're putting in front of me how long are you gonna wait for me I like give me a shot I'm so glad you brought that up because Dana give him a shot I I know that you know I'm I'm not the ambassador of the UFC I'm not the uh president of the UFC. You were Dana, you are, and you've done a great job. Nobody has to tell you that. You know that already. The the results speak for themselves in every way. But give him a shot and uh and get him a commercial. Get him <laughs> get him one of those commercials like a Timex commercial where, you know, it it it, it takes a lick but it keeps on ticking. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and like really that guy that guy should have that commercial. And then yeah. after you do that Go buy him a Rolex. You know <laughs> the really. challenge is he's got Adesanya, and Adesanya's got a pretty busy dance card coming up. So it no, will he's be interesting. Special. That's a special talent, Adesanya. For sure, it will be interesting to see what 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 they do with Glover there. But um, listen, Teddy, this is this was a long one. We've got a huge episode coming out Thursday, guys. Again, as a reminder, 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. Check out the Teddy Atlas, Doctor Atlas Foundation dinner, virtual dinner. We'll be posting it on Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, and the podcast, the audio version, will be available on all the uh, typical podcast outlets. Um, Teddy, thank you for doing this. I'm looking forward to the event Thursday night. I hope everyone tunes in, gives what they can. It's greatly appreciated. Teddy does great work with the, uh, with the money that's donated to the charity. They've done a bunch of great things. You can check it all out on his website, the Dr. Atlas Foundation. Um, Teddy, you got anything before we say goodbye? No, just again, thank you again for hitting that hard at the beginning and it, now at the end, it's important um, it's important, you know, with this, it was always important to take care of these people that weren't doing good even without the COVID. These, these are people that have had it hard and that need help and have fallen through the cracks. And 
they needed help before. They need more help now. And with everything being the way it is, where everyone has problems, where we had to cancel all our fundraisers, you know, the golf outing, the comedian night, all that stuff, just like other organizations had to do. One thing hasn't changed, though. The need. It's gotten even greater. So I'm going to do what I've always done and um, I've always depended on. To ask you guys, you special people, to be there to work our corner, to help us in this fight and help us answer the bell as you've done so many times once again to help our fellow human being. Thank you. All right, guys, thanks for being with us. We'll be back on Thursday. Take care.